Morning, gang. Happy Tuesday. It is June 9th, 6-9-2020. I hope this finds everyone well. Um, let's talk about yesterday, 6-8-2020. Um, the Dow uh, was up again. The S&P was up again. The NASDAQ was up again. Believe it or not, Dow was up 1.7%. Uh, S&P was up 1.2%. And the NASDAQ was up 1.13%. Um, why was that significant? Uh, the S&P erased uh, its losses for the year. So the S&P is now in green territory. Um, the NASDAQ has been in that green territory for, uh, I guess, a little over a week now. Um, so both of those indices are making new all-time highs, um, or at least they were at the end of the day yesterday. We'll talk about that later. Uh, and the Dow uh, continues to climb higher. Uh, now it's only down about 3.2%. So um, yeah, we, we've uh, we've rallied, we've fixed it, um, right? Um, anyways, uh, Apple back at record highs, uh, along with those indices, um, they've erased all the losses, and they're trading now at a one point four trillion dollar market cap. That's right, one point four trillion with a T. Um, I, I said last week that we talk about Apple, and we will just really quickly today. Um, <clears throat> so, Apple, um, Apple Computer, why did they rise to prominence? why have they been such a Wall Street darling and why does everybody own the stock and, and probably their products? Um, Apple had a pretty tumultuous beginning. Um, you know, they came onto the scene with the personal computer. They were competing against the powerhouse of Microsoft run by Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer. Um, and, you know, they couldn't really get the early Mac right. And I think that's because the vision that Steve Jobs had for the kind of product that he wanted to sell to people, you know, the technology just wasn't, wasn't there yet. Um, so as the, you know, company continued, you know, they, they came out with some new products that stayed relevant, but they didn't really kind of hit that switch until they came out with the iPod. Um, it started maybe earlier with the, the early, the early MacBooks and the early, uh, if you remember those stupid wonky, um, like colorful plastic, uh, computers that, that maybe you had in your school when you were growing up. Uh, from Apple, um, but they weren't really taken seriously until they came up with the iPod, right? And the iPod transitioned into the iPhone, which has been the biggest growth driver for Apple since, and is what has propelled it to that $1.4 trillion market cap. So people have made a lot of money on Apple. Bankers have made a lot of money on Apple doing deals for them. Um, they have a tremendous amount of cash. Their balance sheet is as strong as anything on Wall Street. Uh, but but why did people love it? People loved Apple always because it was it's just a grower. It just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And I think we're getting to the point now where Apple just doesn't have that much more growth. Um, they're fairly saturated in the United States. They had a decent market share in Europe. Europeans aren't you know, you, the European consumer and the American consumer are different animals, and the European consumer doesn't love the iPhone the same way that the American consumer does. Um, you know, the, the status symbol associated with the iPhone has started to slip a little bit. That was a big part of their marketing. That was a big part of why they could charge what they charged for it and made it so desirable, right, was because it, you know, showed the world that, that you were uh, somebody who could afford an iPhone. And you know, now carriers have subsidized it. I think I saw a homeless guy on Cambridge Street in Boston a little while ago with an iPhone. Um, in China, um, they just don't love, they just don't love Apple products. Um, that's only you know, becoming worse since our, our two countries have entered into this kind of political rhetoric war and, and larger trade war. Um, Apple has about 
12, 13% of uh, the handset market share in China. Um, but that's not growing. In fact, it's contracting. I, I think it'll probably settle around 10% because there is a loyal Apple following in China, but it's not huge, right? So so how can you justify owning Apple with a hundred with, with a $1.4 trillion market cap and, you know, enterprise value to sales, 5.5 times. They got an EBIT margin of 24.48%. You know, these are good numbers. It's just... It, it, there's not a lot of growth left. And, and the story of Apple has always been growth. Um, you know, if you want to own Apple now, that's like owning, you know, Dow Chemical or, um, you know, General Electric back when it was a real company. Um, IBM, you know. Uh, granted, some of those companies have shown some outrageous growth in, in these markets because, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. And, and I think that the growth in these markets has been a little outrageous. But, um, yeah, so... So that's just kind of the quick little rundown on Apple. Um, look, I think it's a good company. Um, I just don't think that there's that much growth left. And if you're a growth-oriented investor looking for gains, um, it's not where you want your money. Um, it's fairly priced. Uh, it it's kind of doesn't have that much runway in front of it. Um, it's flying high. You know, you don't want to buy them high. That's that's kind of the key. Uh, granted, I, I have been proven wrong time and time again. Over the last 40 days, I've been proven wrong a few other times uh, prior to that, but uh, more recently and more frequently in the last 40 days. Um, so that's my little that's my little thoughts on Apple. I said we'd talk about it, so there we did it. Um, Airbnb saw a spike in summer rental bookings. Um, perhaps that's an indicator that that company actually is going to survive. I know that there are a lot of people out there kind of wondering what the hell is going to happen with this thing. Um, but that was back when people were scared about the coronavirus. People don't care about the coronavirus anymore. So. Um, and that's, that's evident by these bookings, right? People want to get the hell out of their houses. They want to get away for a weekend. Uh, they want to get outside this summer, and they're booking Airbnb rentals. Um, in, in less sunny news, the National Bureau of Economic Research, uh, which is a conglomeration of economists across the United States, um, officially stated that we were in a recession yesterday. Um, with economic contraction beginning in February and continuing through now, um, driven by record unemployment and reduced manufacturing and GDP output. Uh, now, this follows 128 months of expansion. So, um, you know, there are 12 months in a year. You guys can do math. That's 10 plus years um, of expansion. Keep in mind, um, and, and throughout that expansion, we've seen a, a very consistent and very robust bull market. Um, it was a good bull market. I know I enjoyed it. Um, and some would say we're still in it. I don't know. But typically, recessions and bull markets do not go hand in hand. Um, a typical bull market, I know I've said this before, but its length is about four and a half years, uh, followed by a recession typically of 2.75 years. Now, I know that this is not a typical scenario, and I know that um, you can't just lean back on metrics and blindly follow them, but we're investors. We know that there are patterns, and we know that when things are statistically significant, you need to take note of them. Um, Additionally, a survey uh, of economists globally uh, showed results that they believe the U.S. GDP will decline 5.9% in 2020, um, which is the biggest drop since 1946. So that's a, that's a decline of 5.9% coming down from growth, standardized growth of about 4%. So you're looking at almost a 10% delta there. Um, a newcomer on the stock market, NKLA. Let's talk about that. Some of you might have uh, seen that that uh, on your headlines yesterday. So that's that's a new ticker. It's Nikola NKLA came out of the VTIQ ticker, which was a special uh, purpose acquisition corporation, also known as a SPAC. Um, they are a competitor to Tesla. They're coming out with 
electric trucks. I think some of them are pretty snazzy looking. Um, I'll tell you, it was up 104% on its third day of trading uh, based on strong future order numbers and just people's overall love for electric vehicles. I think um, electric vehicles are, are absolutely going to be the wave of the future. I think they're coming a lot sooner than other people think. I think we're definitely at the end of the internal combustion cycle. I don't like it or dislike it or, or feel one way about it. I happen to like the internal combustion engine, um, but I also acknowledge that it's just not sustainable and we're going to move on to electric cars, not quite flying cars like maybe our parents would have expected in 2020, but um, definitely electric cars and it's not going to be in 2020 widespread, but you know, I think, I think by the time you're out shopping for cars with your kids, it's going to be really hard to find a car that runs on gas or completely gas. I think you maybe will see some hybrid engines out there still, but it'll probably be all electric. So there's just a tremendous amount of demand from investors to get exposure to electric vehicles because there aren't that many companies doing it right now. Um, I will add a side note that a, a buddy of mine actually turned me on to this one pretty early, um, you know, down in the, in the 20s. Um, and uh, I, I met that suggestion with uh, rebuke, ridicule, and uh, speculation uh, on the downside, as I do with many things. And uh, now I'm eating crow. So if you're out there and you're listening uh, and, and you're taking pleasure in my pain, uh, then I guess that's good that one thing positive could come from me missing that gigantic move. Uh, the company's now worth $26 billion. I don't know what to do with the stock. I mean, it's up 100% plus. Um, who knows? Thing could go to the moon. Thing could be a total fraud, but uh, I sure missed it. Um, okay, Zoom Info uh, boomed on their IPO. Um, they won some blind bids, actually, because people thought that it was just Zoom. You know, people were just buying it, saying, oh, there's a new Zoom product. Let's, let's buy it. Um, we saw this with a different company called Zoom Technology, um, and their ticker was Z-O-O-M compared to Zoom's, you know, the video conference that everybody uses and is now constantly annoyed by, uh, which is ZM. Uh, so those guys saw some, you know, random buying, idiot buying, I like to call it. Um, but I mean, you know, things like this, these to me are just red flags, like people buying stocks without knowing what the company is. You know, there's an old maxim on Wall Street that says, when you start getting stock tips from the shoe shine, it's time to start selling. Uh, and people buying stocks without knowing what they are is the uh, kind of the equivalent of that to me. But uh, what can you do? Duncan announced uh, yesterday, that's, uh, that's Duncan Brands, announced that they're going to hire up to 25,000 employees. Uh, I'll be at BP. We'll be laying 10,000 off in the U.S. to cope with lower fuel prices. Uh, but we like that. We like that the, the boys will be able to get their, their donkeys. We, the boys need that. The boys do run on Duncan's. I'm still waiting for those sponsorship dollars to come in, by the way. So if you hear this, Duncans, I'm ready for you. All right, let's move on to today. Uh, futures are actually down this morning. Uh, the Dow is down 1.24% as uh, I read this at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time. The S&P is down 1%. NASDAQ is off 64 basis points. Um, you know, this could be uh, just a little bit of a pullback uh, after people realizing, oh, look, we erased all our gains. We're, we're back to... We're back to March, you know, pre-March 15th numbers. Um, holy shit, that happened fast. Should it have happened so fast? Um, does the underlying economy matter? Wow, look at all this distance between the stock market and, and the fundamentals that we've made up. That's awfully steep. If we were to fall from there, we could get hurt. Um, so I don't know, you know, obviously buying stocks and trading stocks, it, it, it's, it's musical chairs. So 
if uh, if the big guys who own the big stocks start selling out really quickly to take their seats in those chairs so that they don't hit their ass on the ground when they fall, um, you got to just be aware of that. So don't be stoked about your gains and just, you know, fuck off and stop paying attention. Keep watching your portfolio. Watch the names you own. Again, if you've made really good returns in something and you've held it for a long enough period, right, you want to avoid those capital gains taxes unless the earnings are significant, in which case, fuck it. Take the capital gains ding. You know, use your losses from some of your bad trades from your S&P puts to offset that. But, um, you know, just constantly be evaluating. You know, just stay alert, stay tuned in, please. Um, I also want to put out a little disclaimer here. Um, I, you know, I have no vested interest in the stock market crashing. I am net long uh, for all of you out there who may be wondering. I, I just, I, I tend to lean on reason and, and reason is telling me a different story than what the markets are. Um, so let's keep going. Um, sorry about that. A little diatribe. Um, gold's up, oil's down. Um, European and Asian markets are, are fluttering around a little bit. I honestly didn't spend too much time looking at them today or hardly at all. I glanced. Um, we'll move on to the chart of the day. We're actually, we've got two charts of the day today. So let's talk about unemployment benefits versus pre-crisis wages. So based on a Department of Labor survey, um, 10% of those surveyed uh, ha- are now making significantly more than what they were when they were employed. 20% are making somewhat more than what they were when they were employed. 16% are making about the same as they were when they were unemployed. 21% are making somewhat less. 28% are making significantly less. And 5% have not received their payment yet. So take away from that, 46% of the people surveyed are making the same or more than they were bef- while they were working full-time before COVID-19, completely unemployed. I think there are problems that will stem from that. I don't know how long the stimulus is going to continue. I think if the Fed pulls that boost in uh, that boost in unemployment in July, we're going to have major problems. I think we will see the market reset, um, and I think we'll see people get really, really pissed off um, because and we'll see this in chart of the day number two, um, which goes back to that fake, fake, phony, lying, bullshit jobs report from last Friday, which I just want everyone to realize. The government can, will, and does lie to you often um, because what the American people don't know is, is what makes them the American people. Um, 27.7% of Americans either want a job but aren't looking, are working part-time for economic reasons because they want a full-time job but they can't get one, or are completely unemployed. So they say the unemployment number is 13%, but... The reality is 27.7% of Americans are either completely not working or totally unemployed, um, or totally uh, underemployed, rather. So that's really significant. Um, That's really, really significant. Now, that's a little bit better than the numbers in April. April was about 30%, um, if you look at that statistic. But it's just something to be aware of, guys. Just keep an eye on that, please. Um, Taiwan Semiconductor. Taiwan Semiconductor, TSMC, uh, secured subsidies for their fabrication plant in the U.S. Uh, That plant could cost as much as $16 billion. Um, Now, for those who don't know, TSMC, tremendously important company, uh, sort of a cornerstone of the semiconductor industry. They they manufacture the wafers and chips and bases uh, that the technology goes on top of that goes into your phone. So if you want to think about semiconductors like a currency... Uh, Taiwan Semi is like one of the mints, you know, they make the coins, right? So if you get a coin from TSMC, you know, it's valuable, you know, it's good, it goes out in the market, people put their shit on it, it goes into products, you buy them. 
Um, but tremendously important company. It's nice to see them redomiciling here in the U.S. Be interesting to see what happens with that and if that plant actually starts ramping production. Um, all right, so uh, we're running long here, so I'm just going to stop. Uh, but I, I had wanted to talk about China, but we can talk about that tomorrow. Um, today in history, uh, we'll go through this quickly. 1973, Secretariat, the horse, won the Belmont Stakes by an unprecedented 31 lengths to win the Triple Crown, um, which means that you win the Belmont Stakes, the Kentucky Derby, and the Preakness. It is the, uh, the most sought after and coveted uh, award in American thoroughbred horse racing, which I happen to like a lot and pay decently close attention to. Um, American Pharaoh was the last horse to do that. Actually, that's not true. Um, one of the horses won in 2018, but American Pharaoh won in 2015. I was actually there at Belmont to watch that. It was pretty electric. Um, and now that's only happened 13 times uh, since 1875 when, when, the first, um, when the first Triple Crown season began. Uh, in 1875. Um, in 1891, Cole Porter was born in Peru, Indiana. Uh, in 1870, Charles Dickinson died in Kent, England. And in 1815, the Congress of Vienna was convened to reorganize Europe after the Napoleonic Wars, basically redraw state lines, figure out which nationalities were going into which groups, sort out you know some kind of ethnic issues. Now, keep in mind, um, this was very significant. It was the gathering of all the heads of state of Europe, basically. Anybody who was anyone was there. If you didn't get the look for the Congress of Vienna, you weren't happy about it. Let's put it that way. Um, and, you know, the Napoleonic Wars just fucked Europe up good. And they basically had to redraw all these lines. And, and there are some events that were led, they, they came directly out of that. And, you know, for instance, 55 years later, Germany unified, right, in 1871. A lot of people don't know that Germany's only, you know, 170, 60-some-odd years old. Uh, they, they only became a country in 1871 before they were just groups of principalities and duchies and, and, other, um, and other smaller groups ruled by, you know, kings or dukes or whomever else. Um, uh, they unified in 1871. They linked up with Prussia. They grew their military, 1914. They started fucking shit up, which led to World War One, and then, you know, eventually World War Two. Uh, they also cut the Balkans into all different slices and really fucked up the ethnic groups there, and that's actually been a hot spot to this day. Uh, it also contributed to World War One. So keep history in mind and uh, and read about it. It's important. Okay, I uh, hope everyone has a good day. It's 7.49 a.m. We're going to stop it here, and we'll talk soon.